ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tim Moen Show. Government's inflating your money. We have central banking. We have fiat currency. Uh, we have all sorts of fuckery happening up top that is eroding your buying power, stealing your wealth, robbing you, making it difficult, controlling you. Been part of a freedom convoy lately, Trump? Well, we're going to have to cut off your ability to engage in commerce. Hey, social credit score, not where we want, not following the status quo. Sorry, going to have to get in line or you're not going to be able to buy anything. All these are ways that the government controls us. And of course, cryptocurrency is possibly the answer to exit the system and find a way. Now, I had uh, Max Freeman on the other day talking about why Epic Cash is the cryptocurrency that we should be adopting. Uh, he outlined some problems with Bitcoin. Ah, uh, no, no, says my next guest. Epic Cash is a latecomer. Uh, Bitcoin is king. So we're going to find out from Harry Cooper why we should stick with Bitcoin. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. what What is the case for Bitcoin? So... I've been thinking about this a lot since watching your uh, epic cash conversation. Um, there's two two kind of aspects uh, that I want to cover. One is from like first principles thinking, and then the other one is from more technologically speaking. Because um, much of what Max's case was about was like why epic cash technically is better than Bitcoin. Um, but before we even get into that, I really think thinking about it from like first principles. Um, is pretty important. Um, the like, what I was getting from that conversation was, it's it's not grasping what the bigger picture is right now. Like what the actual situation is in reality. Um, if you zoom out and just look at what's going on, we have Bitcoin, which came out uh, as you know the first cryptocurrency. Um, it took a long time to get to where it is, mm -hmm. and it's currently. Uh, can be ranked amongst uh, fiat currencies, like national currencies. I think at its highest point, it was within the top 10, maybe, or between like 10 and 15. And if you rank currencies by their uh, value, by their market cap, I guess. Right. Um, right now, I think it's around, let me just check here. It's around 28th. So like Bitcoin is on the main center stage right now. Uh, and then something like Epic Cash that Max was talking about is has a market cap of $17 million or $19 million. That's like a drop in the bucket. It's like a science experiment. Um, so to me, if you understand how important the battle of Bitcoin is and why it's significant, um, you'll understand why getting distracted, uh, something like Epic Coin and most other cryptocurrencies are a distraction. Um, it's useful that I'm happy that there's development going on, that people are trying to figure out better ways to handle things, um, which come with their own criticisms that I have for them. But uh, like Max's uh, interest in privacy is great. Um, and there's lots of things that there's still lots of development to happen. Um, but to me, it Bitcoin is the way that we win this war. Um, there's anything else you are actively... Uh, hindering Bitcoin's post, uh, potential to um, lead to, I guess, I've, what's the short way to say it? 
the bright orange future is what Bitcoiners yeah, call it, but it's right. Uh, well, we don't like saying that in Alberta because that implies the NDP. Uh, oh, dear God. Over. <laughs> uh, okay, listen. So, so, um, I guess you know, the way I look at it, money, um, gets its utility from being widely accepted, I guess, right? And, and that is, you know, among its other properties, being able to be. Uh, easily divisible, easily transmissible, um, holding its value, uh, not being easily counterfeited, counterfeited and, and uh, having its buying power erased as a result. All those things are kind of the utility function of money and, and what makes it valuable um, as, you know, as money. So to me, it's like, okay, there, there's ultimately going to be the market's probably going to trend towards like one, one currency, essentially. Um, it's not like other commodities necessarily, uh, you know, because it's, I mean, that there are going to be other forms of currency probably, but there's probably going to be like one standard. And so to me, it does seem natural that Bitcoin would be that standard. But what about all these technical issues with Bitcoin? Uh, you know, there was the privacy issue. I, I suppose there's ways of overcoming that. But what about the transaction costs? How do we overcome transaction costs? Okay, so this is the technical side, which I was going to push to later, but we can okay, dig into well, it right now. We can go into it later. Uh, let, let's, okay, let's, let's come back to that. Sure. Because when it gets into technicals, then like uh, I am a software developer. I'm not an expert in everything right. uh, to do with cryptocurrencies. When there's thousands coming up, you can't dig into every single one and look into it. But anyways, it just yeah. becomes quite a lot of, jargon and terminology that's difficult to talk about. I just wanted to talk specifically to start off with uh, just from first principles, what is money? What is the innovation of Bitcoin? Why is that a big deal? Yeah. Why are people so excited about it? The big thing for me as a libertarian, finding Bitcoin and uh, realizing what its potential is, is it turned me from a grumpy, nihilistic libertarian into yeah. an optimistic one. And you'll never find more optimistic people that are liberty minded than in the Bitcoin community. Mm. It's like, it's just, that's one of my favorite parts about it is the pure optimism. So what is it that causes that optimism is what I want to get into first. So, All right. uh, to think of Bitcoin as digital money to me is a distraction. The fact that it's digital is beside the point. Digital is just a means to an end. What, what humanity and society is needed throughout time is a absolute scarcity that they can use as money. Uh, in the past, we've used many things as money, as you probably know. They've used beads, they've used stones, they've used all kinds of things. And the people who chose to use the wrong money uh, or a bad money, one that can be printed, uh, one that's not scarce, ended up suffering to the people who chose a better money. Um, right. Would you agree... Uh, before I go too far with this, that money is at, at its essence is a ledger. Hmm. I don't know about that. I'd have to. I'd have to think about that. I guess. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, it is. It's bits of transmissible material that is. Um, valuable because it's finite and and it can be transferred around but yeah i guess ultimately you know paper money for example denoted uh 
you know, when it was sound money, let's say it denoted a quantity of gold in storage that you could go exchange that note for. And so essentially, um, you know, it, it, I guess there would be a ledger, um, that associated that banknote with the gold and storage. So, um, uh, for the sake of, of going along with it without thinking too much about it. I'll, okay. Let's call it a leisure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's just nice to think of it in it's like simplest terms so that we can really sure. picture what, what a ledger is all about. Um, so every single ledger we've ever used in the past was not an absolute scarcity, including I'll say gold, um, gold. We still don't know exactly how much gold exists. Um, right. They've, just recently found a ton of gold in, I think it was Uganda. Um, I think the majority of gold has been mined since 1950. If you hold on to gold at the current inflation rate, which is one to 2% per year, so they're still mining it out of the ground, your gold uh, as like a fraction, um, it has a half-life of around, I think, 40 years. So if you have one-tenth of all the gold now, then in, uh, 40 years, you'll have 120th of all the gold because they're still right. mining it. So Bitcoin's big breakthrough, in my opinion, is that we have the first, the first, not necessarily the only, but the first money that has an absolute scarcity. Um, it's very transparent. This ledger, uh, everyone knows everyone's playing by the same game and they know it's going to 21 million. That 21 million will happen in around 2140, the year 2140. Um, and then there's no more. Right. So to me, that part of it is huge. Thinking about what impact having a absolutely scarce money will have on humanity is a big, uh, fascinating question. And then the other side of it is it's the first time we have a property um, that cannot be taken theoretically by violence. Um, it leaves the physical realm. Hmm. Um, no amount of guns can take it because it's some it's information that can be stored in your head depending on how you manage it, it's right. essentially unconfiscatable, un unseizable. Um, and that gives every individual who stores wealth in this thing that doesn't need, like, as you know, the government is a protection racket. Um, that's basically how it came about is that people needed to protect their property. Well, now we have a type of property that does not need, um, it does not need violence or guns to defend it. You right. can shoot someone in the head, but you can't take their Bitcoin after you've done that. Um, mm. So those are the two things that are huge to me for why Bitcoin has made so many people extremely optimistic about the future is the ramifications of those two things, an absolute scarcity and uh, something that is unconfiscatable. So uh, maybe we should go in for like just a little bit to talk about why that is a big deal for humanity. Um, sure. Okay, I'm just gonna look up, look at my notes here quickly. I mean, the I guess the easiest way to look at it is what happens when someone has a unique authority over printing money. Um, suppose, in its simplest form, if you uh, if you are using Harry Coin, and I can print Harry Coin, then you can see quickly how I can just print money to make you work for me while right. all the while diluting your savings. Um, and then in a way, like it's a bit hyperbolic, but you're, you're my slave at that point. If I control your money, then, um, 
then I control you if you're forced to use that money. Um, so now we have a money that no one gets this exceptional ability to print. And anyone who has obtained Bitcoin, Bitcoin has unforgeable costliness. So no one can obtain Bitcoin without ex experiencing some cost, sacrificing something. So there's an opportunity cost um, that is associated with obtaining the Bitcoin. Um, and as we can see with the government right now, they have no opportunity cost in spending their fiat money um, because they print it. So they don't suffer mm. for their bad decisions. So they can finance whatever garbage they want. And uh, in my, this, sorry, it's such a deep topic. There's so many like different things, angles that I want to go sure. at. Uh, but like money is in its essence, voting power in a peaceful society. When you earn right. money, you get this voting power that the, you then get to spend in a way that influences other people in a peaceful way. Right. Um, so instead of you getting to make earn your money and spend that voting power as you see fit, uh, the government prints voting power and spends it around and funds uh, like all of the garbage that I don't need to get into. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the purest democracy is is a marketplace, right? Because, um, you know, your your opinion is actually backed by uh, action. It's not just, uh, you know, it, it's backed by personal responsibility, let's say. That personal mm -hmm. responsibility is I've gone out and I've earned this, this money. I've gotten it through peaceful means. And now I'm uh, exerting that opinion through my money by sending a signal into the surrounding community or marketplace about where my values truly lie, what I'm willing to change, exchange my energy, my, my life force for. And, and the more life force or, or value I'm willing to exchange, I mean, of course, the more, um, the stronger that signal should be and the more seriously it should be taken. Uh, and, and you make a great point by saying, look, if government can just print this stuff out of thin air and use it, um, then it's essentially, uh, you know, diluting true democracy in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that leads well to the next point, um, which is that yeah, the, the idea of money printing. So we've got this ledger that's got an absolute scarcity to it. Now we got to think about money printing. So, Part of Bitcoin coming along is it's this new way to have this ledger. And you can think of money printing in two ways. You can either add entries or add units to the ledger you're using, or you create a new ledger. Both of them are forms of money printing. Mm. Um, with Bitcoin, I, I, I tell my friends, Bitcoin is for people who want to end money printing. Cryptocurrency is for people who want to be the new money printers. Mm. And that's what's happening right now. So. If I create my Wait a own... second, isn't Bitcoin a cryptocurrency? Technically, yes. Uh, it's a very debated, contentious topic. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> when we talk about, when Bitcoiners talk about cryptocurrency, normally it's a separate thing because uh, there's Bitcoin and there's crypto. Uh, the, the best way that I could think of to describe it is um, you could say gold is just a metal or humans are just animals, but they're exceptional different things that you shouldn't really bucket them all together. Mm, um, gotcha. Okay. But it's, it's mainly Bitcoin being the first to create this ledger. That's very important to it. And looking at how that ledger um, propagated, like who got access to it for a lot of uh, cryptocurrencies, there is a pre-mine. So whoever created it was like, here, I'll just give myself 30% of this ledger 
and then I'll let other people start getting it. Um, so they're really just uh, the temptation to print money is irresistible throughout time. And cryptocurrency uh, outside of Bitcoin to me is is just a continuation of that trend. Um, okay, so we have this, we have, let's say we have infinitely many absolutely scarce ledgers <laughs> because right. that's essentially what we have now. We gotcha. have Bitcoin is one, we have Epic Cash, they've created another. Uh, theoretically, there's it's debatable whether they're actually scarce when you look at the technical side of it. Um, but anyways, let's assume that we do. Now we have the question, which I think humans have, we've not really had to face this question throughout time. And now we really, really have to face this question is you have to choose a ledger. Mm. Um, right now, we're used to being uh, the ledger being imposed upon us by right. force and violence. This is a ledger you, you use, will use. Yeah, you must use the else. Canadian ledger because mm -hmm. you must pay tax. And you, if you're a business, you must accept this currency. So now there's an important question. We have these other ledgers that we can use that are clearly better because they are finite and only an irrational person would choose a ledger that is not finite. Um, so which one do you choose? Right. And as you mentioned, uh, cryptocurrency or sorry, money is a network good. So its value is derived from the size of its network. You could have the best technically sound money that in the world, but if no one uses it, it is not effective. Um, so, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Um, so the, the network size yeah, is kind of what good, determines right, right. It, its value. Um, well, that, yeah. Or its utility, right? And, you know, I value money that's that has some utility in terms of being able to be accepted and and transmitted to exactly a variety of of uh, endpoints. So yeah, and so uh, for anyone who's chosen, like I've chosen the Bitcoin ledger. Anyone new who starts choosing to use that ledger benefits me, and I also believe that it benefits them to choose the ledger with the most people on it. Also, if as long as the ledger is absolutely scarce and no one has central control over it. Um, it's beneficial to them to choose that ledger because it's a it's like a sound ledger um, as opposed to choosing a ledger where like Vitalik Buterin gets to uh, print a whole bunch of it and he can control the ledger. That's not in that person's best interest. So um, hmm. also for anyone who has chosen to use the Bitcoin ledger, any new ledger is a competition. There's no getting around it. They can say, oh, we're all in this fight together as cryptocurrencies. No, uh, if you are introducing a new ledger and trying to recruit people to use that ledger, you are taking away from the people who could choose Bitcoin to use as a ledger. Um, of course, a fundamental part of my reasoning here or my belief here is that I genuinely think humanity will be better off if everyone is using a single ledger. Um, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a kind of derogatory term, Bitcoin maximalism. Um, some people consider it derogatory, others don't. It was actually created by Vitalik Buterin, who created Ethereum. Um, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I think the essence of it is actually that it's people who are single ledger maximalists. They want to use one ledger and they see other ledgers as um, 
as competition and as trying to take away from the value of their own ledger. Um, right. So like in Max's case, he definitely owns a much bigger percentage of the Epic cash ledger than what he could ever obtain in Bitcoin. So there's a huge incentive to get other people onto that uh, ledger, right. uh, but not necessarily at the people who join in, not at their benefit. Um, it's more so to do with the the people who create the ledger. Um, that's not to say that I'm trying to criticize Max. I think he he's well he's quite an intelligent person from what I can tell, and he was quite well informed about a number of the issues. I just think it's uh, coming at it from the wrong perspective. Um, so so that's kind of I think the first principles look at why Bitcoin why. Uh, why Bitcoin's so important, and right. then why it's so important to have one to choose one ledger, and why we see new ledgers as competition right. that are not and, good, right. and why they're right. attacked. Yeah. Well, that makes some sense to me. I mean, you you kind of want one ledger to be the predominant uh, ledger because that that's going to make you know central banking ultimately um, go away. Uh, and it makes some sense that maybe that one ledger is Bitcoin because essentially Bitcoin was the first mover in this space and has the biggest network um, by far right now in terms of the cryptocurrency. And it, would that is that essentially a good summary of your case? Like, is, is it so. Bitcoin because essentially Bitcoin's the first mover? Like, had Epic Cash come out first, would you make yes. be making the same argument? in favor of epic cash right now yes th right. but then we will get into the technicals where i would okay. criticize a number of epic of epics decisions uh one sure. other thing i want to mention there is is when you think about the ethics of the creating that ledger um that's also very important it's like should someone be able if they invent it should they get to get 50 percent of the supply on a ledger that's meant to be the global currency of the world right. um and with in bitcoin's case when it came out, no one knew anything about cryptocurrency. It was a science experiment at that point. This mm. genius Satoshi put all these things together and presented a paper open to anyone. He was wanted as many people as possible to like look at this and play with it and stuff. The, whatever money, whatever Bitcoin that went to Satoshi has not moved since it started. Um, it's worth billions of dollars. It's Satoshi's treasure and it's okay. there for anyone to see. But whoever this person is, uh, they didn't touch it. Um, so there's there's a lot of reason to think that that is kind of the fairest type of ledger. And at this point, it's grown enough to, so that anyone who's trying to get Bitcoin either has to mine, which is extremely expensive, or they've held on to it for a really long time, which is also incredibly difficult given uh, its price swings. Right. Um, so yeah, that kind of sums up the first principle side of it. Okay. Uh, so I, well, let, let's talk about the technical issues that were raised about Bitcoin. What? How do we overcome those? Uh, you know, sure. the, the one that sticks out for me is the transaction costs. Sure. Um, so the question, an important question, is why is Bitcoin like? Why does it only do seven transactions per second? Um, Visa does ten thousand transactions per second, and. Uh, there's no way in hell that you can ever buy coffee if everyone in the world is buying a coffee and they're using Bitcoin. There's no way that they will right. all be able to fit into that. Um, you can't even do one transaction per year per person. Um, so it's not right. even close. 
the reality is when you start looking at what this technology is, uh, is no blockchain technology that's a distributed ledger. Uh, in terms of how it works, you have to have this ledger on many computers in mm -hmm. order for it to be distributed and for people to verify who owns what and that no one's that it's like following the proper rules. Um, it's impossible um, at this point, given our current uh, current tools to have 10,000 transactions per second. Uh, kind of ex coming to terms with that is a, a huge reason that I came to terms with why Bitcoin was like, was the way it was. Like they could double the block size, they could triple the block size, they could quadruple it. And along with the downsides of doing that, um, it still wouldn't handle uh, all the Visa scale volume. Right. <clears throat> so uh, any, I would say any cryptocurrency that is arguing that they can do that is either it's not decentralized uh, or it's just lying. Like hmm. you, Visa has massive servers for a reason. It's because it's difficult to, it would be extremely difficult to uh, handle that many transactions, especially when you're trying to synchronize it across the planet. Um, so does that kind of answer your question before well, we get into sure, why sure. it made the choices? Uh, well, I guess the, the question I have then is, if Bitcoin can't handle that many transactions, why? How is it useful as money? Like, how do we use it then? And how is why? How do we deal with such an expensive transaction cost? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, currently, using it as a store, like as a way of just saving your savings, it works quite well. Right. Um, I've done a number of transactions on the base chain, and I have only spent like pennies or or often it's free because of the way that the exchanges will batch the transactions. Um, bigger picture though, uh, as the, the uh, global adoption increases, um, people are not going to be touching the base chain. Uh, it's, there's, I don't think it's possible. Like even, even if we wanted to, it's just not feasible. We're, for any cryptocurrency to handle the entire world using the right. base chain because again the base chain is the ledger that every that needs to be replicated thousands and or millions of times to make it uh, as part of making it a reliable ledger um so what has so, happened sorry yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. no no go but, ahead i was gonna yeah, i think you're gonna yeah, answer so my question what has happened is they're looking at how can we still handle like coffee transactions but still settle to Bitcoin at the end of the day. Right. And so the what's been created there is the Lightning Network, um, which essentially, like there's a lot of technical things behind it, but you create these channels between say, I create a channel with you and then uh, it has a balance of say, say we have $20, we'll just use dollars as our currency, $20 in it, um, where like you own 10 and I own 10. Well, if I wanna send you a coffee, I just say, I'll send you $1, now you have 11, I have nine. And we, it's actually like uh, using these signed transactions that don't go on the chain. Um, we can we can do that without ever updating the ledger. But we know that if we ever want to leave our channel, um, we can settle to the base oh, chain. Okay. And have to settle to the base chain. Gotcha. So, okay. So that, so let me try to write. Is that what tokens are, by the way? When when they talk about no. tokens. Okay. That's no, I don't different. think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let me try to get this analogy straight then. So it would be like having 
the ledger might be uh, analogous to like gold bricks or something like that, or a bunch of gold. It's just not useful to use them for everyday transactions. Um, but what we do is we go out and we keep uh, a tat, you know, we, we have a bunch of IOUs essentially that we exchange back and forth. We go back to uh, the bank, so to speak, where the gold is at and, and we can settle up there uh, when we want to exit. And, exactly. The, yeah. the big thing is though, it's not just IOUs. It's like IOUs that Bitcoin, the ledger speaks. It's like a programming language. Right. They're says, enforcing contracts. Yeah. So no, so no fuckery can happen. No one can yeah. inflate the amount of paper you know, which is what's happening in the gold markets, by the way, right now is, um, you know, you've, you've got a note that says exchangeable for a certain amount of gold, but thousand other people have that same note. (laughs) Well, there's only one (laughs) ounce of gold. How can that be split? You know, how can there be enough for a thousand people? Right. But, but uh, of course, crypto solves that problem by making it, um, essentially enforceable contracts or self-resolving or whatever, uh, it, it uses uses the laws of physics ra- that in such a way that uh, it can't be fucked with. So that's fair. Yeah, probably, exactly. Yeah, probably saying it in an awkward way. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so we essentially have this. We're not using the the Bitcoin. Um, uh, you know, it, essentially Bitcoin almost becomes like the gold standard, right? Where um, you have paper that you use in your day-to-day transactions, but you still have this gold sitting back in a vault that you don't have to, that's just cumbersome to use, but it's still backed by that, but it's backed in a way that is bulletproof that can't be fucked with. Yes. Okay. Um, And I, I want to paint the, an accurate picture for these things that I'm describing Uh, to me, even so base chain, I don't think anyone will touch in the future. uh, Like other than geeky people like myself, but the average person is not going to touch it. Lightning Network, even creating channels, is an involved process. Involved. It's not a simple thing. It's not trivial, uh, at least at this point. Hopefully, it will get better. Um, but uh, you have to manage like the liquidity. So I need to make sure that I have enough inbound liquidity. So if people want to send me $100 worth of Bitcoin, I have uh, enough channels open that I can get that money in. Um, so there's there's actually a lot that still goes on there. Uh, so that's kind of on the critical side of it. On the positive side of it, you have things like uh, Noster, which is a new decentralized Twitter. And in Noster, uh, instead of just liking a post, you can, what they call zap, you can zap people. And you hit this lightning bolt, it creates a lightning invoice, and you can send them like five, like five cents uh, in a completely permissionless way. And it, that's just a very exciting thing to experience. Um, so for geeky people, Lightning Network is really exciting and they can use it today. Um, people are using it today. And How do you sending... spell Noster? I'm trying to look it up here. Uh, oh, so no, it's there's... N-O-S-T-R. N-O-S-T-R, okay. Yeah, like Nostradamus. Yeah, um, yeah. And the it's just a protocol. So one of the most popular apps for it is called Damus, D-A-M-U-S. Uh, it's being backed quite a lot by Jack Dorsey, who was okay. the founder of Twitter. Interesting. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out later. Cool. Look at all the things we're learning here, guys. I got uh, I got goosebumps when this one guy uh, just said, anyone who replies, I'll send them a thousand sats, which is a, a sat is like the smallest unit of Bitcoin. And yeah, I replied and then I just got a notification. You just got a thousand sats, which is like 
nice. incredible. Like that was without any intermediary. Um, I, I was using a custodial lightning wallet, so I was not managing uh, the channels or anything. But then as soon as I got it to the custodial wallet, I could send it to my non-custodial wallet um, because it's all on the lightning network. So it's all following this protocol. And uh, even if you do trust someone to manage a lot of it, the fact that you can withdraw it at the end of the day in a split second, uh, I think will really change things. Um, I think I think a really important point too is engineering is always about trade-offs. <laughs> um, right. Like I'm trying not to just paint a picture of like, oh, it's perfect. It can handle like if 9 billion people started trying to use Bitcoin today, it would be a clusterfuck and we're not ready for that. The fact that it's kind of gradually grows and gets more engineers interested with these hype cycles is uh, is like part of what's needed to get it ready to handle. Like we didn't have the Lightning Network in 2016. Um, it was only introduced in 2017, I think. So mm -hmm. um, this kind of like gradual adoption is good in the sense that we need a lot more infrastructure because um, the kind of the worst case scenario, the worst case of if Bitcoin becomes globally adopted too fast is that the infrastructure that's decentralized and follows good practices is not ready. And instead you have centralized things that are, that can make the user interface really nice because they manage everything. Yeah. But then you have so much counterparty risk. You have situations like FTX and, uh, all of that shit show Mt. Gox and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I, I just really wanted to paint that picture that like Bitcoin in no way is perfect. It's not this like uh, money given by God that will solve everything, but it sure. solves very specific problems that are massive problems that we've had throughout time. Right. Um, right. And it eliminates the huge glaring problems of uh, central bank and government controlled exactly. uh, currency. Uh, what, what, what is your uh, take on how we, how we get there, so to speak? How do we get um, Bitcoin more widely adopted? Uh, that's a good question. It's the golden question. I think, I think the uh, curious people who are liberty focused are kind of gradually finding Bitcoin um, because it's just so clearly aligned. And actually, one of the saddest things I think is seeing how many, there are a lot of libertarians who just don't want to uh, accept, like they almost fight against Bitcoin because of its popularity. I think we're so used mm. to being the underdog. Like right, right. we're like this little thing, but money, it just doesn't work that way. We can't just choose our own little unique niche currency yeah. and uh, we'll suffer for that decision. And that's really important. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's happening. Like it's just a matter of what can control the speed at which it happens. Um, I don't know if it needs much more help than what its current rate has been. It, the fact that within what was it, twelve years, it became worth a trillion dollars uh, without a marketing team, without anything like yeah. just the incentives of people who use Bitcoin and how much it benefits the people who decide to use it. I think will gradually. Um, just win people over, especially as they see the realities of like, it's an economic reality that if you choose the U S dollar, you're going to suffer because it's being printed. And if you choose Bitcoin, you're going to benefit because it becomes scarcer over time. Um, so that economic reality through curiosity or pain, I think will teach people. Um, yeah, there's going to be a point where it's just not an option anymore. You're just going to be like, people are going to know like, Oh, you have this paper money that someone printed 
and they won't accept it. And then people will say, oh, I need this thing. And fuck, it's right, hard right. to get it because it's real money. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you, what do you think the, um, just to, to give, maybe address the, the issue of, uh, that some of my, uh, audience might have who might not be super familiar with crypto or, or Bitcoin. They, they look at, uh, you know, I look at a lot of my coworkers, for example, at the fire station and they, they jump in on, on different cryptos and it's all about speculation, right? It's, it's not necessarily, I don't think too many of them understand the revolutionary aspect of, of Bitcoin. They just see the markets going up and down yeah. and they kind of jump in and out and, you know, that's great. Good. Play with it, I guess. But, uh, other people look at that and go, holy shit, it, you know, it was up at 70,000 and now it's down to 28 and, you know, it's all over the map. Like uh, how, how are you going to advise me to get into this thing that swings so wildly? What's your response to that? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, I don't even like to advise people to get into it. I advise them to try to understand what's happening. Right. Um, like, yeah, I feel almost dirty if people who I don't think understand what's going on buy it because I say something about it. It's like, that's because they're just going to uh, see the price tank someday and then they're going to leave it and uh, or they're going to sell it when they make $100. Uh, like, um, right. so yeah, uh, let me think about that. Well, here's another question. I mean, I think that's that's a good way to look at it. Like, don't advise people to get in, or certainly don't speculate with it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, look, I tried to get a hundred dollars worth when uh, back when it was uh, less than five dollars a coin, and uh, I wish I would have tried harder. Um, at that time, you could only get it from MT Gox or privately, and. Uh, to get it from MT Gox, I had to open a US account and wire money. And that seemed like too much of a pain in the ass for a hundred dollars worth of something. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh, but, but here's the thing. Like I, man, I, I was looking into this stuff way back when, and I was convinced and optimistic, same as you. There's so much technical stuff. I don't know about it. I'm so I, I'm not where I need to be when it comes to understanding things like custodianship and, and protecting it and keeping a piece of paper with that 23 digit character in a safe or, or whatever. I certainly am not, don't, don't pay enough attention to it to speculate on it and, and trade it and, and um, watch it go up and down. I do think it is the future of where money's going to. And I think inevitably I'm going to have to use it. And at a certain point, having some cursory knowledge and, and some useful knowledge of how it works is going to give me an advantage, um, in the marketplace. Um, how, what, where can I go to learn about this stuff and play with it? Like what, what are some basics I should know about, um, owning and using Bitcoin? If I just want to play with it, get used to it, um, you know, and, and people will have heard all the the stories, right? That oh, crypt, you're you're going to lose all your money. Like people are just going to take it from you. They're going to steal it from you. Like look at the FDX can, look at Mount Gox, look at all these areas, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the basics. If we're going to get into Bitcoin, we're not ready to go whole hog and start investing in the stuff and using it as currency day to day. But we do want to be prepared, and we want to be able to start dabbling in it. And doing it in a safe way and in a way that prepares us for the coming 
apocalypse, let's say, what are some things we should know or basic things? That's a really good question that I don't think I have a wonderful answer to. Um, there's so you, like I could recommend specific services or YouTube channels. It's such a uh, or or like even rather than that, how, what are some basic things like, um, you know, talk a little bit about the difference between keeping your money on a server versus personal custodianship or something like that. Sure. Okay. So the fundamental way that Bitcoin works is if you, to know is to own in crypto world. So, uh, it's all about who knows specific zeros and ones. And if you know the zeros and ones the if you know this information, uh, then you have access to this specific Bitcoin. So obviously if, if, access to Bitcoin comes down to 24 words. Obviously, if those words are uh, on a computer that touches the internet, that's a huge risk. If you have your, think about if you have your life savings uh, with 24 words on your computer, how much do you trust that no one's spying on your computer or yeah. that there's not a hack? Um, and then likewise with, custo with uh, centralized custody, um, you have, the amount of trust you put in someone then to handle those 24 words like who are you going to trust to have to handle properly the 24 words that controls your savings right. um so really they're like the way that i handle it you can generate so the word thing really it's just 24 words that represent zeros and ones mm. and it's words you use words because it's easier to remember words and to not make mistakes in writing them out um and yeah, it's really tricky to make recommendations because if it gets too technical, it just becomes like painful. And right. if you're not like that kind of person, uh, you probably won't enjoy it. So maybe the best thing to recommend is just start watching some YouTube channels, go down what they call the rabbit hole, see why, just try to understand why some people treat Bitcoin like a religion. Uh, it's like their highest, most important value that they think is going to fix the world and try to just understand that point of view. And then I think that will incentivize because uh, managing the Bitcoin stuff is not an enjoyable process, uh, sure. in my opinion. It's it's uh, it's really something that you do, uh, just like protecting your gold is not enjoyable. Like you don't enjoy buying a safe and uh, yeah. all that stuff, or like figuring out how to verify that your gold is real. Um, it's really it's really the benefit that comes to you through learning the custody and how like how much power do you have. Or how power how uh, enabling is it that if you as a person can store uh, like fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars in your head, and you can cross borders with that money in your head that no one can touch? That's right. that's the thing that incentivizes going through the pain to figure out how to manage it. Well, and and I think you know the the trucker convoy for an example opened a lot of people's eyes into how easy it is for them to control government money and to control your ability to operate in the economy uh to shut down your access to bank accounts to shut down access to your own money um all those things and and that doesn't even touch on the things that libertarians have been harping on for years which is using government fiat erodes your buying power government fiat is a way of, of the government basically sending artificial signals into the market that um that you know 
suck your buying power away, destroy your freedom, destroy all these things. And this is the answer to those problems. And so, um, you know, it, it is a pain in the ass to learn how to, you know, just like eating a healthy diet is a pain in the ass, going to the gym on a regular basis, a pain in the ass. But if you want freedom in the future, if you want your choice, more choices available to you in the future, you got to make a little sacrifice today. You got to eat healthier today. You got to, you know, suffer some pain today in the gym so that you don't break down and are a cripple tomorrow under your own body weight. Uh, and, and so you're right. I think this, this is, uh, a, a way to do that. Harry, uh, I've kept you for 45 minutes. Is there any last words? Uh, I, I mean, you basically sold me. I, I think, uh, I agree with you that, that Bitcoin is probably, uh, going to be the gold standard, let's say of the crypto world, uh, of digital currency, uh, uh, in the future. And, um, you know, I'm not totally convinced that that there's not room for other cryptocurrencies. I, I think there definitely might be some use um, for others, given some of the technical issues with the gold standard. Um, and, and, you know, we could maybe eventually have a debate between you and the Epic guys about what, uh, you know, where that uh utility or non-utility lies any any last words though for our guests uh oh before we go <laughs> uh sure i have well <laughs> there's like a few other things that i really did want to mention sure okay let's go um so one thing back to that other cryptocurrencies could offer value if that's the case i would argue that what they should do instead of printing their new ledger is have a way that you can go from bitcoin to their new technology if their technology is mm -hmm. better I can send my Bitcoin to like, there's ways it's still programmatic money. So I can send it to a way that says this Bitcoin is never spendable again because I'm turning it into this other thing. Then they're gotcha. not, they're not benefiting from being the money printers. That's where I take the biggest issue is people keep trying to be money printers. Um, so that's one point. The other thing, the cycles, you're, you're talking about your uh, firefighter buddies. Like they see it, like goes up with, goes up like crazy, drops like crazy, goes up like crazy. Um, I think, that experience people will realize that there's a pattern here which is what happened to me like i studied and read about bitcoin in 2015 i didn't buy any um then it like went up like crazy i'm like oh i missed out on that and then it crashed and then i'm like okay it's just like volatile and then it went up again and then it goes down and then eventually i was like okay i need to figure out what's going on because it keeps going higher every time that it that it goes through these cycles so i'm like i need to just lick my wounds except i didn't buy it when it was cheaper and because i'm gonna otherwise i'm gonna suffer again because if it keeps doing this i'm gonna be like fuck like now it's a million and i again i just uh did not pay attention to it um so i think that's a big part of it is just realize understanding that there's a pattern there and realizing like yes it goes up like crazy it goes down like crazy it's because it's a free market money and mm -hmm. it's it's not hard to understand why once it starts going up a lot people start leveraging and getting in trouble and then it crashes so just coming to terms with that um and then the last two things just trying to like <laughs> shoot through these bullet points sure. uh you you mentioned you felt like you were too late uh in that podcast about uh epic cash um to me if you think it's too late you don't understand the point of a sound money because a sound money you're never too late it benefits people to use a sound money forever right. um the value of it will always go up over time as everything else gets produced more. So we have production of more things and uh, the supply of what you have is either static or going down. Um, so there's no such thing as yeah. too late. You could be 
too early or you could benefit from being early, but it's like being too late to electricity or too late to uh, the automobile. Like it's just silly. It's a tool that really cures problems that we have. Well, you could be Um, too late to uh, profit scandalously from something. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, which is kind of what I was referring to. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last point was about energy. Um, And I think this is very, very, very important for Bitcoin. Um, The use of energy is the whole point of how Bitcoin's ledger becomes a decentralized thing that no one can fuck with. Right. Uh, The whole reason that mining happens is it adds energy to the more energy that happens on top of a transaction you make. If I send you Bitcoin, the more energy that's on top of it, the harder it is to undo that transaction. It, mm. It's what ties Bitcoin to the real world, to the physical world. Like if I give you gold, the only thing that gives you possession of it is the amount of energy it would take for someone else to take it from you. Right. And so Bitcoin, when you when the mining you mine blocks on top of the transactions, that makes it harder to ever undo one of those transactions. So uh, the energy is a feature of Bitcoin. It's what ties it to the real world. And you never ever, if you find something that's not using energy, then it's completely changing. It's like, it's, it's, I would be very careful to just assume that that's fine. Um, having a mm-hmm. faster block time too, is a bit of a, a bit of a misleading idea because, uh, if the block, uh, if you get 10 blocks in the time that Bitcoin takes to do one block, but each of your blocks only uses a 10th of the energy, then there's no difference in the transaction finality. It's it's all about how much energy that has been put on the top of that transaction um, to make it irreversible. And then in terms of, uh, in ter- I know that you're probably not too concerned about the energy use being a waste, but uh, it's actually Bitcoin miners are just consumers of last resort of energy. They only want to consume energy that no one has demand for, because if there is demand for it, then they d- are not profitable. <laughs> so they oh, need to yeah. find energy that no one's interested in. So yeah, that was my last point. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, those are all good points. I, I'll have to think about that energy thing. Um, yeah, I, it kind of makes That's sense. That's another rabbit hole. The whole yeah, and, and, and I think, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I mean, in, in one sense, it's almost a way, it's almost a, a method of like energy arbitrage or something like that, right? It's like, Mm-hmm. getting energy to uh where it's it's most in demand and and that sort of thing but uh exactly yeah interesting thank you so much harry for coming on reaching out to me um you know if you uh want to be like harry you have an issue with something someone said on this podcast come at me bro i might have <laughs> you on the show just like i did with harry here and uh you know if you have an interest in debating one of my guests, by all means, I'm happy to host a, a pugilistic round or two on the old debate square. So thanks for uh, listening, guys. As usual, you can support me at locals.com or guess what? I just started a, um, what, what's that thing? I don't want to say subscribe star. It's not it. Substack. I started a Substack. So I'm going to be getting that going by the time this podcast is out, hopefully, That'll be in full swing. You can support me there. Thank you so much, Harry, and peace out. We'll talk to you guys later.